Welcome to Tough Questions, where we address the most challenging issues of a real and a relative Christian faith. If you're joining us on Facebook Live or our YouTube channel, Instagram, or maybe the Tough Questions podcast, again, I want to say thanks for dialing in. Now let's get into our subject for this episode. You know, I was thinking about today's message, and, and today's message deals with something that God has, has kind of orchestrated and God has instituted in this life that we live in, and it's time. You know, time is, time is everything, people say. You know, your timing of something can be the difference between, uh, say, a good joke or a bad joke. Um, timing. Uh, can be essential when it comes to dealing with people. You know, and maybe it's like you're dealing with a boss and, and you want to raise and you think you deserve it and, you and you know, you feel like, hey, I really deserve this. Well, you know, but timing is everything. You don't, you don't ask for a raise when the company's getting ready to go down the tubes. It's just not going to happen. Timing's important in things like, like cooking. You know, am I timing everything just so that, you know, what I'm cooking on the grill is going to be ready at the same time everything else is going to be ready? Timing, uh, you know, if I put the hamburger on the grill for a short period of time, then it's going to be raw. If it's on there for too long a period of time, then it turns into a charcoal briquette. You know, that type of thing. Time and timing is extremely important. It's, it's important in, in all the aspects of our life today. Uh, yesterday, um, uh, I got my uh, COVID uh, vaccine, my first shot. And timing with that, of course, is important. You, you have to have the shot, and then you wait so many weeks. And then when the timing is correct, then you can get the next one. And then you have to wait a certain amount of time for it to be effective. So, again, we're, we're right back to this, this concept or this thing called time. We're into this book of Ecclesiastes, and we're going to look at how time and timing affects our future. I'm going to read the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 for you here. And um, so listen to this. There is a time for everything and a time for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. There's a time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to mourn. And a time to laugh and a time to dance. There's a time to scatter stones and a time to gather th those stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace, and what do workers gain from their toil? You know, timing, of course, is everything. 
We all have clocks and calendars and phone alarms and all of these different things in order to, to help us to take advantage of the timing of the various different events in our life and to be reminded of things that we need to be reminded of when, when, it, when it happens or when it's getting ready to take place. So timing of everything is, is very, very important. In this um, scripture I just read, it's actually a poem that, um, that Solomon wrote in regards to time. And he gives us four different areas that we need to consider in this writing. And the first one, of course, is this mentioning of time. Time is limited. Time is very short. He tells us in this poem that there's a right time for everything. And there's also a wrong time for the same things. He gives us, you know, there's, there's 28 different statements in there that he uses um, to give us an aspect of negative aspects of time and positive ones of time. And as far as what, what, what time it is and what time it's ready, you know, time is ready for. He appoints the day of our birth. He appoints the day of our funeral. He knows exactly when these things will occur. God knows that you know, every, you know, every eight seconds, someone in this, in this world that he has appointed will, will pass from this life into the next. And yet, every three seconds, we know that, hey, life creates. God creates something new and beautiful. It's noteworthy to, to consider the aspect that what Solomon is talking about here when he says a time to kill and a time to heal. He's not talking about murder here. In order to understand the context of what he's saying, the, the word that's used here for kill actually is in reference to things like capital punishment uh, or winning a war, a just war that some, you know, nation maybe is waged against you. There's a time, you know, to go to war and there's a time to win that war and to do what you got to do uh, in order to avenge uh, a loss of life. And this killing is is something that that God says has to be taken with the highest of consideration because of the value of the human life, the value of any human life is something that is so precious and God holds in such high esteem that that's the reason that the scripture here talks about, you know, protecting people from others who want to take life or avenging a life that was taken, uh, you know, through capital punishment and those things. Fortunately, there's a time to heal. You know, both sorrow and both joy are a part of this life that we, that we have. We're always going to encounter negative and positive emotions in this life those, through those experiences. It's, it, it's to be expected. It's expected that we're going to experience different feelings and emotions when the time comes for a loved one to pass from this life to the next. It's to be expected. Even though time is short, we know that in that short period of time, you know, we're going to experience things like grieving and wars and the negative side of things, as well as the joyful things, too. Remember that even when Jesus was here 
and Lazarus died, Jesus grieved. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was crucified, Jesus grieved. There was a time for that. It was proper in its own time. Ecclesiastes 3 also continues with these words. After the poem part, now he kind of sums some other things up for us. He says, I have seen the burden that God has laid on the human race, and he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to the end. And I know that there is nothing better than for people to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all of their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever, and nothing can be added to it and nothing taken away from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Whatever is already has been and what has been before, and God will call the past to account. You know, have you ever really worked hard on something and then later wondered why I worked so hard on something? You know, Solomon in this particular chapter is also addressing that issue. Yeah, time is short, that's true, but there are limitations that we need to be aware of. There are limitations to consider. What am I going to get for all of my hard work during the appropriate time? You know, is it really worth it or not? Will whatever it is that I gain from all of this work and toil, will it bring me lasting fulfillment and joy, or is it just something that's temporary? There's a man by the name of Chuck Feeney, and Chuck Feeney got involved with duty-free shopping and, and that type of business uh, many, many years ago and was quite successful at it. But he realized early on some of what Solomon was saying here in this particular chapter, that it is what you get out of this temporary life, you know, that is so short and the limitations of it. Is it worth it? Is what I'm doing, is it producing, you know, fruit that I will enjoy forever, or is it something that's quite temporary? Well, Chuck Freeney decided that in his life he wanted to be benevolent. He wanted to give away uh, much of the profits that he was earning. He felt like this was a way to honor God. He felt that this was a way to answer that question of whether or not what I'm doing is worth it. He wanted to make sure that it was worth it. So he and his wife set up this foundation that gave away monies to organizations uh, that were doing good works, and that, but they were financially troubled. Uh, and over his business lifetime, Chuck Feeney gave away over $8 billion anonymously. You know, he says... Um, when he, the day that he uh, dissolved his uh, organization, uh, he made the statement to the people that were in attendance. He says, you know, to those of you wondering about whether or not giving, you know, while living is worth it, try it. You'll like it. You know, Chuck Feeney asked that question again. 
and that is why. Why is it that, you know, the things I'm doing either bring me joy or they don't bring me joy on a regular and a long-term basis? Is what I'm doing worth it? And we ask questions sometimes, you know, like, why was I born the way that I am? Why did I get treated the way I did by a parent? You know, did you, why did you take a friend of mine so early in his life? You know, all of those types of questions, they make us realize that time is short and that the things that we do in life, as well as the things we don't do as we follow God's plan, we need to do things in a way that make them worth it. Just like Feeney. You know, if I'm going to earn all this money and I'm going to, you know, I want to make it worth it. I want to make sure that, you know, I'm not just hoarding all this stuff. And then, you know, eventually it gets passed down, you know, to family who will maybe squander it, maybe not, who knows. You know, but he wanted to make sure that it was worth it. And he, he didn't get burdened by asking things like, you know, well, you know, why, why me or anything of that nature? Solomon says, I have seen the burden that God has laid on the human race, and he has made everything beautiful in its time. We need to remember that when we ask those particular disturbing questions. Why was so-and-so taken? Why did I have this type of a childhood? You know, why was I born in this particular way, shape, fashion, whatever? See, we have to remember here, and what Solomon is pointing out, is that sometimes our perspective is wrong. Sometimes our perspective is simply way wrong. We see the cocoon. God sees this beautiful butterfly that he's knitting together, that he's creating, that he's, that he's putting together. You know, we see this painful, awful process in life sometimes. But we've got to remember that what God is doing here is short time, as far as this world goes, and that we need to focus on making the choices that are necessary to make sure that the things that we experience in life are absolutely worth it. God is working on the individual value of each one of us. That's why he lets us go through these many different trials and problems. God looks at things on an eternal basis. You and I look at things on a very temporal basis sometimes. You know, this is one of my favorite parts of this particular chapter in the Bible. Is Solomon reminds us that part of your purpose in life is to enjoy your life. And he says that the greatest response in this life that you and I can have to most of it is to enjoy it, to, to enjoy the fullness of it, especially in a spiritual sense, especially in an emotional sense, uh, and to enjoy what God has blessed us with, given to each one of us, the good, the bad, and the ugly, knowing that what he's doing is he's working inside the cocoon of each one of our lives, building something beautiful and great. Enjoy your life. You know, I can't tell you, so many times people ask, 
And they say, you know, I have a hard time figuring out what really the purpose of my life is all about or what God wants me to do in this life. Solomon in this chapter is telling us, live for God. Realize that the time is short and that there's something else coming. Realize also that, you know, <laughs> there are problems along the way. And the choices that you and I make need to be made so that so that things that are good are lasting and they live with us throughout eternity. And the things that are unimportant, they simply fade away. Solomon said, I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and do good in one another's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all of his labor. It is the gift of God. And if Solomon's not good enough for you, Ben Franklin said this, Do you love life? Then do not squander your time, for it is the stuff that life is made of. The fourth thing that we learn from this particular chapter of Ecclesiastes is it talks about fear of God. Simon closes uh, his time with us here, and he says this. He says, I know that everything God does will remain forever. All right, back to time again. Everything that God is doing and has done and is doing in each one of our lives right now, today, will last and remain forever. There's nothing to add to it, and there's nothing to take from it. For God is so worked that men should fear him. And what he's talking about is not this you know, not this horrible, you know, oh, God is so mean, he's going to hurt me or something. That's not it at all. Fear of God is mentioned many times in Scripture. It talks about fear of God or it talks about fear of the Lord. It's talking not about a paralyzing fear. It's talking about understanding who God is and honoring God for knowing who he is. Understanding that God is the creator. He is the, the originator of life. Understanding that God is the one that creates all of the different scenarios and allows them to take place in our life. Yes, we have free will and we get to utilize free will. And God incorporates that into the life that he has given to each one of us. You know, it's not by any accident or happenstance that you and I are born the day that we were born, in the year that we were born, in the country that we were born, or anything else. God has orchestrated all of these things so that what's going on inside the cocoon will be a beautiful thing when the time comes to fruition, when it comes time to that harvest time, so to speak. So what do we learn from Solomon today? You know, what do we learn? How, and how do these things apply to our life? Well, we learn, of course, I don't want to beat this into the ground, but I want you to walk away with understanding that time is short. There's a limited amount of time that you and I have in this particular life. That there are limits to this life. There are limits to the things that we will receive, things that we can give away. There are limits to the things that will happen to us, limits to the things that you know are good, bad, and ugly. It's, it's, there are limits in this life, and we need to understand that. We also need to remember that God calls us, each one of us, to enjoy the life that we've been given. You know, so many people today, 
So many people are fighting this battle with anxiety and depression and just woe is me. I mean, it is bad. And as a pastor, I see this. I see it a lot. We need to remember today that God has it all under control. It's limited. There's a time for everything under the sun. And we got to realize that God wants us to enjoy the life that he's given to us. And the way that we do that is through this naturally occurring fear of God. The more we understand who God is, the more we understand what he's all about, the more we understand what his plan and purpose for, for each one of our lives is, the easier it is to enjoy the life that God has given to us. You know, I think I, I mentioned earlier, a lot of times when we think about our position in life or the things that we want to get out of life or what God maybe calls us to do in life, we, we automatically go to, you know, well, I got to be a Billy Graham or a Ravi Zacharias or something of that nature. Well, that's not necessarily the case all the time. If you look, a lot of times God calls us to simply enjoy the simple pleasures in life, enjoy the people the situations, the love, the compassion, the families, to even learn to love and appreciate the hard times, knowing that those times are producing something in our life that will stay with us forever. You know, everybody has probably heard of the actor Jim Carrey. I wish you could wave to me right now and say, oh yeah, I remember Jim Carrey. Well, Jim Carrey made this comment once, and it sums up, I think, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes in this chapter in particular. Jim Carrey said this. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of. Sounds good, doesn't it? Let me read it again. I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of. And he continues and says, so that they can see that it's not the answer. What is Jim Carrey saying? The same thing that Solomon is saying. I've got a new perspective on life. Jim Carrey is saying, I've done the rich and famous and done all kinds of stuff. And you know what? I've realized that it's not the goal of life. It is not the thing that sustains a sense of purpose and a sense of just joy and tremendous contentment in our life. It's not. But living for God, living in life in the place that God has put us with all the circumstances that are surrounding us and to understand that God is in control. And the best thing that we can do, live a good life, enjoy every moment, every little teeny moment he gives to us, and live for God. That's Tough Questions for God is a teaching ministry of the Rosebush United Methodist Church, where we challenge our faith with some of the most difficult issues. Tough Questions for God is available on Facebook Live, Sundays at 11.30 a.m., or go on our website at toughquestionsforgod.org. And just follow the links on the homepage for YouTube or via podcast. Thanks for joining, and don't forget to like and share. God bless.